welcome to the first episode of the Bohemian Rose podcast. I am hiding behind the anonymity of a microphone and honestly not really owning up to my brand as being me right now. So I'm going to get into some things that are honestly history at this point, but hopefully someone will glean something from it that helps them move on, heal, um, find their self. Uh, you know, I'm not really sure what I'm doing with all of this, and I may actually be the only person that listens to this just to see what I sound like when I'm recorded. But welcome, and this episode is called The Pink Couch. I was a beautiful person, and I say that in past tense because I don't really feel that way anymore, and I'm trying to get back to that feeling. But when I was younger, I was actually a model, a really well-paid, professional, working model that was incredibly short. So when most people hear that I was a model or see photos from the late 80s and early 90s, I think they're kind of blown away because I was incredibly short. But I modeled for Ford as my first agency in New York, Wilhelmina as my second one. I modeled in Milan and Tokyo and had other agencies around the world that wanted to represent me. Um, But where my modeling career pretty much ended, my love life kind of began. I should insert a little disclaimer here that the snoring and sighing in the background is my dog who is taking a very long nap, which is pretty much most of the day. So yes, I was an international model, and I met this really awesome, enthusiastic, slightly crazy guy when I was living in a pension in Milan and thought it would be the beginning of an incredible love story, which it was, but, you know, one of those stories that when you tell your grandkids or when, you know, grandchildren find out how grandma and grandpa met, like what a great story it would be, but it ultimately ended in divorce. And... I would say, you know, I don't really want to shame or blame anybody because I definitely took part in a marriage and a failed marriage. But there were, I would say, one of the three A's, adultery, addiction, abuse, that were part of the marriage. And it's a really long and I could say it very matter-of-fact ugly at times situation, but it was also pretty amazing. When it was really good, it was really good. And when it was really bad, it was horrific. So almost like a bipolar type of marriage. Um, I've been divorced for, I think now it's like six years. Um, but on my own with, with two young girls. And I have to say that it's taken me six years to get to where I am right now, where I feel like I'm almost back to being who I was and who I am now. So now is, is a midlife point for me. I think I have, or hopefully I have as many years ahead of me as I had behind me, um, in terms of being a, a, an adult, but I'm 51 years old. And I know a lot of women my age who are 
in a very similar position of having to reinvent themselves. And I think a lot of people in general, when they hit anywhere between 40s and 50s, are reinventing for any number of reasons. A lot of times it's because people become empty nesters, and it's what does that relationship look like when you don't have the kids around anymore because they've been the focus of everything for such a long time. And for me, I'm almost at the point of being an empty nester, but like truly an empty nester except for having the dog here on every single day. Um, there's no man or significant other. There, is, there will be no girls at home in the fall, and it'll just be me and the dog. When I was modeling and when I met my, my husband of 17 years or 16 years, I was really thin and it was my job to take care of myself and be a certain weight and a certain size and I was a perfect 34, 24, 34 in terms of measurements, but it was a full-time job, like looking like that. And I won't say that I was really, really healthy about it at times, like I definitely controlled the food that I ate and I worked out obsessively and I worked out multiple times a day and if I were walking on a track I wore ankle weights if I had to go to the grocery store I rode a bike or a mountain bike plus did you know spot exercises at home but the bigger thing out of all of that is that I was really young so, I mean, I think I was 22 or 21, which sounds old for modeling, unless you look like you're 14 or 15, which is what I looked like. I looked like a really young teenager. So I was in my early 20s. I'm 51 now. I had my first child when I was 31. I had a nine pound, five ounce baby at 31. At 32 and some change, I had a nine pound, 14 ounce baby. And I'm not tall. And having babies that size, took a toll on my body and also having two children that were less than two years apart and you know right in between two years and a year so at a year and a half apart I had essentially two babies to take care of and I swear they never slept at the same time until I want to say the youngest was like four or five months old I think they finally took a nap at the same time and all I remember doing was face planting on the bed and falling into like the deepest sleep until one of them woke up crying or someone woke up crying. So it was like being in like mommy boot camp and not the kind where you go and you get to work out. I mean, this was like mommy boot camp of like always being awake, always having someone clinging to me. And my youngest one was injured, which was like at birth, which was like a whole different ball of wax. But I feel like I never slept. I didn't sleep for more than two hours at a time for two and a half years. Um, and that takes a toll. Like sleep deprivation is something that they do in the military to like torture people. But anyhow, so having two children like that, you know, that close in age and being essentially a stay at home mom and shelving my career to get through like the babyhood and all that sort of stuff. Like I can honestly say I didn't take care of me. Like I took care of the children, I took care of my husband. I did not take care of myself. I like every now and then I would find something that I really loved to do and I would like try to carve out the time to do it. But we moved to a different country for three years 
and then I had to get everything established there and then the girls started school and so I think in terms of taking care of myself my weight was always going like up and down I would eat what the girls were eating and I know that that's not really the best thing to do but we were on a budget and I just I didn't want things to go to waste so this tiny little frame that I had when I was modeling definitely was much bigger like with 10 pound babies and after and I probably should have seen a surgeon immediately after the youngest one was born because my stomach was a complete mess I have actually a residual thing that needs to have surgery as well at some point but I don't even know if I'm gonna have that done but I was low man on the totem pole of taking care of myself and it showed I mean, it really showed. I was tired. I was really overweight. I just, you know, my children were adorable and beautiful, and I wasn't living vicariously through these two little babies. I was just literally trying to, like, survive. And I have this really, like, handsome, attractive husband, and I'm sure when he looked at me, it was honestly a disappointment. And I felt that way. I felt like I was less than because of the way I looked. So to jump forward into, you know, the meat and the hardcore aspects of our relationship, I'm going to pause right here and I will be right back. So somewhere along the lines of raising children, it seems like when the youngest one starts kindergarten or formal schooling, life falls into a routine that is set Monday through Friday, you know, nine or 10 months out of the year. And yeah, you can pull your kids out of school and go on vacations, but for the most part, there is an established routine. And then each year as your children get older, you know, there are activities that are added to it. There are music lessons or sports or, you know, any theater, drama, whatever it is that your children are into. And the days just fly by with a routine and I think that that's at the point where a lot of relationships suffer so I don't think mine was an anomaly when you know the routine seemed more like a rut and you know I was still in like survival mode of basically doing everything to get the kids from waking up in the morning and ready for school and off to school and you know doing all the things at home that needed to be done because once they were finished with school there was swim team or you know music classes or something and dinner and homework and you know getting ready for bed and like all of those things it's amazing that American children have such little time to actually like play and do things um my husband had a job that was incredibly social. Like, I mean, it would almost be along the lines of hosting, I would say like parties because when clients were in town from other parts of the country, they always wanted to go out in LA and they would stay out really, really late or really early, depending on whether you're gauging it by being the next day or being the day that the dinner or the nighttime happened. Um, but it got really ugly in the middle of things and there were things that were revealed to me in a lot of different ways, either by me reading them, things that were posted online back in the day, um, 
And there were three times where the marriage seemed like it was totally over. Actually, there were two, two times where it seemed like it was totally over. And in the middle of one of those times, I was told things that hurt me so deeply to my core. Things like, as long as you look the way that you look, I will always look at other women. And whether it was said, you know, behind beer goggles or something else, it really doesn't matter to me because what I heard was I was fat and I was ugly and I was undesirable. And that devastated me. Like even thinking about it right now makes me want to cry. Like I would never say that to anybody And the interesting thing with that is that, you know, physical facades can be taken away in a heartbeat. I mean, there are people that suffer horrific accidents and their physical form is completely, to most people, deformed. But who they are inside is exactly the same, maybe better than it was before the accident. But that person, the person that you are, is not that shell on the outside. And to hear those words, it devastated me. It sunk me into this pit of, why should I even try? Like, there's nothing about me that's even good. Like, yes, like, my children are amazing kids, and it's amazing that they're as, like, well-adjusted as they are. And the things that I produce are amazing, but I will hide behind my children, the dog, my work. Like I create these beautiful things for other people, but I feel like a ghost. Like I just want to be invisible. And I'm not like morbidly obese, which if anyone is like, I mean, I think a lot of it is, like, the mentality, like, the mentality of how I feel. Like, I don't even really know what I look like anymore. I know that I can wear a certain size of clothes, but when I see myself, I just see this awful-looking person. And I went through a phase in the marriage where I was really, really thin because I was completely stressed out and I wasn't eating, and it was one of those really ugly phases where... I was like so upset all the time that if I put anything in my mouth, I would want to vomit because I just, my stomach couldn't handle having anything in it. It was like emotional. So I'm going to jump forward to the last time my ex-husband left and I told him to never come back and I had to start this whole new life by myself. I was, I don't even know how old I was. I was in my forties. I had one, one daughter in high school and her like very first year of high school. And the youngest one was in eighth grade. So I was going to see these two girls through the tumultuous teenage years alone And somehow I was going to have to figure out what the hell I was doing with my own life at the same time, like how I was going to be able to completely support myself at some point, get these kids through high school and college, 
and somehow make a beautiful life for myself. So I think a lot of times when people are starting over, the first thing you look at, because it's easier to look at than yourself, is the physical space that you're in. And we lived in a great little place. Um, there was two bedrooms, two bathrooms. And it was really close to the beach, and it was close to high school, and I had no intention of going anywhere when all of the shit hit the fan because I wanted to keep things as normal as possible. And the first thing that I did, because I had two teenage girls who were sharing a room and bickering nonstop, is I gave up my bedroom. So I gave up my master bedroom and gave it to one of the girls so that they each had their own space. And I figured I didn't really need privacy because I didn't have any male suitors or anything going on with myself. And when they were in their rooms with the door closed, then the living room was just as private as one of the bedrooms. So I basically slept in the living room, um, honestly, for uh, all through high school for so I think I slept in the living room for like four years. So four years I slept in the living room. And then even when I had like my next apartment, when I moved out of like the family condo, I still, I would sleep in the living room when my oldest one would come back from college so that she would have a bedroom to sleep in. And I know that that's crazy. And people will say, oh, you know, you should be sleeping in the bedroom and you put one of them out there. But I just felt like, you know, if they were in the bedrooms with the doors closed, I could listen to music, I could, you know, make tea if I wanted to or make coffee and I wasn't really disturbing them. So I, I was in the living room and at first I slept on the sectional that we had, which was this big, massive brown, kind of like ultra suede sectional that we purposely had custom made so that all four of us could comfortably fit on the couch and watch TV or do something together as a family. So it was this big, down-filled, shitty brown-colored couch. And we had brown tables, and everything was, like, brown because brown was the color that didn't show dirt, which I think is so... I thought of that today when I was walking, and I was like, okay, you wear dark colors, like brown, so it doesn't show the dirt, but the dirt of that whole scenario, it was like, it was overwhelming. So I almost think that in hindsight, like we should have had a white couch, like, yeah, it would have shown dirt, but like dirt is real. And then you wash it off. Like you go through a process of cleaning it. You just don't ignore it because it's on something brown. So I slept on the, the brown shitty couch for a while. And then I sold it on, I think I sold it on Craigslist. I sold the brown shitty couch and I put a twin mattress in the living room. I think we had an extra one um, because when one girl went in, when one daughter went into the other bedroom, she was just sleeping on the, the queen size bed that was in there. And I think I took her twin bed and put it out in the living room and used it like a day bed. So I did that for a little while. Um, so I had like all these different variations and I would have to like, you know, make the day bed each morning. And finally, after I started like getting all the shitty brown furniture out of the living room, one thing was like a stereo cabinet that I had had since I was dating their dad. Um, and we first lived together like that went. So the brown couch went, the stereo cabinet went, 
and I started getting white and I mean white practical pieces like a white horizontal Ikea metal locker that was really easy to put store things in it was locked up it was bright and um, I took like I think I took the artwork off the walls that was dark and I just started putting things in that were like bright and pale blue or pink and I got a hot pink couch so I got a hot pink sectional from Ikea that popped up into a queen-size bed and during the day I would put that puppy down and it was a sectional and it was pink and it was pretty and at night I would pop it up lay some blankets on it and that's where I would sleep and that couch I slept on it for three or four maybe even four and a half years um but that was honestly the first step to like the healing process for me was changing my physical space because that was an immediate change and it made me feel happy and it made me feel better. And every time I walked in and it was white and bright and the sun was coming through the sliding glass doors from the West and it just looked like a girl space. It was like a chick pad, which was amazing. Um, I boxed up all of my ex-husband's stuff almost as quickly as he left, but I boxed it up and I labeled it and I put it in the garage in one area and I just started trying to shift my physical space into white and bright and I just wanted all of the shitty, heavy, yucky stuff out of there and that is how I started. I don't know if there's any sort of science behind, you know, changing your physical space when something like that happens when you're in the throes of a divorce or some sort of crisis, but I will say, like, sprucing up your space that you live in does wonders for your spirit, so it doesn't have to be expensive, it doesn't have to be going out and buying a new couch or getting rid of furniture. I mean, I think if I had had more time on my hands and wasn't so deep in the parenting world, I probably would have painted furniture white, which is a lot less expensive than going out and getting things. Um, but for each thing that I sold on Craigslist, I basically replaced it for something at the same cost. So I wasn't really putting myself out financially. Um, but buy yourself flowers. I mean, do something for you. Like, go out. If you can't buy flowers, I don't know. I walk by beautiful bougainvillea all the time. And I'm not saying nick someone's bougainvillea or someone's flowers out of their garden. But, you know, it's okay to, like, pluck a blossom, I think, and tuck it behind your ear or take it home and put it on the counter. Um, gosh, now I'm sounding like a thief. Anyhow, do something to change your space. Like, if starting with your own physical self or mentality is just too much to handle at first, I mean, take the easy route, like do something at home, paint something brighter, open up the curtains, let the sun in every flipping moment that it's out. Do something that like brightens up your space because when you walk in and it feels fresh and new it's such a great reminder that you have control over this domain that is yours. Like, even if it's just your bedroom or your bathroom, I mean, 
just do something like that to like start the process of transitioning to like owning it, like owning your space. So not really sure where I'm going to go from here with the next episode, but I hope that maybe you find something in here that helps you and I will see you next time. So have a beautiful week, beautiful day, beautiful minute, and we will chat soon. Thank you.